Welcome to the Sex and Spirituality Podcast, a show where we have real deep conversations about everything from love, dating, sexuality, mental health, to trauma, spirituality, metaphysics, healing, and all things new age and woo-woo. I am your host, Lauren Coletti, a yoga instructor, poet, Reiki healer, and graduate student studying forensic psychology with a focus on sexual health. As a spiritual teacher and student, domestic violence and sexual abuse survivor, sex educator, coach, and counselor, I hope these vulnerable conversations will inspire you to take an introspective look at yourself to help you better your life and the people around you. I thank you so much for listening and hope you have a sexy day. everyone. Good morning. I missed all of you so much. I feel like I haven't recorded in forever. It's been almost a week. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Uh, My name is Lauren Coletti and welcome to Sex and Spirituality. I thank you for bearing with me. I was away for a few days and I've just been trying to get all my shiz together and it's been a lot. I am so thankful. I went on a vacation to Florida Uh, South Florida with my boyfriend and his beautiful family. And I'm very thankful to have had the opportunity to meet them, spend time with them and be a part of their family. Um, I did realize a few things while I was away. Um, So I just wanted to do a quick update before we get into today's episode. So if you'd like, you can skip ahead. Uh, Today, I did want to talk about STIs or sexually transmitted infections and share my own experience But before we get to that, can I talk about how much like more sensitive and higher sensitivity and how my intuition and empathy has increased greatly as I get older? And this has become very prevalent to me when I was away on the trip. So we went away on Friday. I returned Monday and I was kind of on my toes because as someone that's an intuitive empath, someone who's extremely introverted INFJs, shout out to y'all, and a very highly sensitive person. So I have um, sensory processing disorder, quote unquote, as many HSPs do. I wouldn't say it's a disorder, honestly. Many people that um, are diagnosed with autism or on the autism spectrum have sensory processing disorder. And it's where your, your senses, like, all stimuli, external stimuli is processed differently, and generally it is greatly increased. So think about when you're listening to music. For someone with sensory processing disorder or an HSP, highly sensitive person, it's like that on steroids. So I knew this would be a challenge because being in Florida, partying for four days, I get drained very, like, hella fucking quickly. And my boyfriend's family is like very outgoing and extroverted and they like different things than I do. So I love being alone. I love my quiet time. I love relaxing in peace and in nature with animals. I'm an animal empath. And this is a fun night for me. Like it's not to make people inferior or superior, say one is better or worse than the other. But for me, when I am stimulated, overstimulated, which happens very easily, my whole mood shifts, like my vibration lowers. Um, I can get very antsy and anxious and moody and angry. Oh, let me tell you, like you have to avoid me. So we went to a party on Friday and Saturday and there was so many people and in crowds, I just feel 
like I've reached my limit. Um, and I feel extremely overwhelmed very quickly. And then my mood can do a complete 180 where I'm in a good mood. And then I feel overwhelmed and like suffocated and learning how to deal with feeling overwhelmed is an essential part of learning how to cope with being an empath. Um, the secret to reducing overwhelm is to notice it very quickly. And for me this weekend, I was for four days in persistent, uncomfortable state of sensory overload. And I found myself feeling exhausted and burned out and even towards the end of the vacation sick. But I'm trying to not let this get the best of me. Um, I could feel very upset very quickly when I'm around people that drain my energy. Uh, they can also be known as emotional or energy vampires. And this isn't to say that Nick's family is energy vampires, but at all, but sometimes certain people will lower your vibrations or there's a lot of drama and it's hard to stay on track. It's hard for me to feel stable when there's loud music and there's alcohol or drugs, not that there was drugs, but just saying this, for example. So I felt very scattered and I had to learn to tune in and notice what was going on. Um, you have to notice when you start feeling frustrated or overstimulated and overwhelmed um, and catch the feeling as fast as you can before it gains momentum and then take at least a few minutes to unplug from the stimulation. So when we were at the party, I retreated to the bathroom. Um, I would suggest going somewhere without sound or bright lights to rest and meditate, to journal, to call someone that's supportive, just to recalibrate yourself to a more balanced state. And there's lots of other strategies that I could discuss if anyone is interested in a whole episode, but you know you're an empath if you've ever been told you're too sensitive or need to toughen up, uh, you feel exhausted or anxious after being in crowds or around certain people, if you have a sensitivity to light, sound, and smells, or perhaps it takes you longer to wind down after a long day at work. Um, and this isn't to say like, I love Nick's family, but it was just go, go, go for four days being around people. And <laughs> it's not like, it's so funny. There's like this thin line between people thinking I don't like them and I'm very standoffish because I'm introverted, which I'm not, but it's just, there's that thin line between people assuming you don't want to be bothered and you hate everyone and being a highly sensitive empath um, or shy and introverted, frequently feeling anxious or overwhelmed where drama and arguments or yelling make you ill. Um, and I got really upset actually on Saturday because I, as someone that's an empath and has been dealing with my sensitivities for a very long time, I often feel like I do not fit in because I am so drained by crowds and need alone time to revive myself. I'm also overstimulated by noise and nonstop talkers. Um, sometimes empath, empaths will have chemical sensitivities. They can't tolerate certain clothes. Um, and I prefer to have an escape exit. Even if I'm with my friends, I need to know I have an escape route so I could leave early if I need to. And 
I just feel sometimes like I don't belong because people my age, I'm 26 years old, they love going to bars. They love going to clubs. They love hanging out with their friends. They love loud rap music. They love getting drunk. And like, I fucking hate that shit (laughs) with a burning passion. Like, I love meditating. I love walking outside. I love yoga. I love reading. I love writing. I love being with animals. I love being alone. And it gets to you sometimes because you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And I found myself even like judging and getting angry at my boyfriend, Nick, who didn't do anything wrong because he was, he was like a little lit and like he was wanting to socialize and dance. And I was just like miserable. So I was like, come on, Lauren, like just pretend you're having fun because then maybe you'll have fun. And I wanted to fit in. I don't want his family to judge me and think I'm a scutch and like, I don't know how to have fun, but I could only like, there's a very small limit. If you guys remember the Sims, like they came with a certain tank of energy. And when I'm in that type of environment where I'm forced to interact, like my energy goes from a hundred to zero within a matter of like three hours max. So especially like staying up late night after night and a lot of times in the past, I've overeated to cope with this stress or I've avoided relationships because I feel easily suffocated. I startle easily. And I was drinking a lot of caffeine and not in my ritual, not taking my supplements. So my pain threshold got lowered. And I do tend to socially isolate because as an empath, you easily absorb people's stress and emotions Um, you feel overwhelmed by multitasking and it's for me, I've replenished myself in nature for a very long time. And, you know, we were able to get away to the zoo and that kind of helped me recharge. But if you're an empath, you can probably relate because you need a long time to recuperate after being with difficult people or energy vampires. And again, Nick's family is not this, but certain people do affect your frequency. So I just realized this and I think I'm kind of just reflecting like I definitely prefer one-on-one interactions or small groups rather than large gatherings. And I feel so much better in the country area than cities where there's a lot of traffic. Um, So if you can relate to anything I said, particularly like to half of these points, you probably have either strong empathic tendencies or a full-blown empath. So I just realized that like, wow, I need to be better prepared next time. I need to bring my journal. I need to bring my headphones so I can meditate. I need to do deep breathing because without these self-care coping strategies, like it was rough after four days. And me and Nick are talking about like building a life together and moving to Florida together and living together. And as an empath, this is very scary for me because I know myself, I know the patterns I could fall into. And it's just something to think about and reflect upon. So being an empath or highly sensitive person, there's a difference. So most people that are empaths are highly sensitive people, but not everyone that's a highly sensitive person is an empath. But this is different from being empathic. Being empathic is when your heart goes out to someone else. Being an empath means you can actually feel another person's happiness or sadness in your body. And this is why I often get 
like overloaded because I'm around so many different people. And then I feel like I'm going to combust. So an empath, your brain is different. Your brain's mirror neuron system, a specialized group of cells that are responsible for compassion is thought to be hyperactive. And as a result, empaths can absorb other people's energies, both positive and negative into their own bodies. At times, it might even be difficult to tell if you're feeling your own emotions or someone else's. There's different types of sensitivities that an empath may experience. So physical empaths, for example, are especially attuned to other people's physical symptoms and absorb them into their own bodies. Emotional empaths pick up on other people's emotions and become a sponge for their feelings, both happy and sad. Food empaths, for example, are another type who's attuned to the energy of food and may even experience sensitivities. So being empathic has incredible benefits like a greater intuition, compassion, creativity, a deeper connection to the earth and animals and other people. But living in this state of high sensitivity also comes with an array of challenges like being easily overwhelmed, overstimulated, exhausted, and absorbing the stress and negativity of others. So if a person is not aware that they might be an empath, everyday interactions that others find tolerable could be causing you stress. Those who are not aware of their abilities may be inclined to use food, drugs, alcohol to unconsciously numb their emotions. So empaths are the medicine that the world needs, and they can have a profound impact on humanity with their understanding and big hearts and compassion. So as you learn to identify your special talents, you will find that not only can your life be enriched, but you can enrich the lives of others too. But the key skill is to learn how to take charge of your sensitivities and learn specific strategies to prevent empathy or sensitivity overload. So I wanted to touch on that very quickly. And now we will get into today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Also, we've reached 5,000 listeners, which I am so fucking happy about. Thank you all. Um, My goal is to reach 10,000 by one year mark, which I started this podcast in September. And at this rate, I think we are going to get there. So please continue to like, share, subscribe, rate, spread the word. If you can relate, reach out to me on my Instagram at sex and spirituality podcast. And let's get into today's episode, shall we? So after all of that, let's talk about sexual health. I am nervous and excited to share my story with everyone because I've kind of wanted to do an episode on sexually transmitted infections slash disease. You can interchange them. Um, It used to be called STDs and then the more recent term is STIs, but I kind of use them interchangeably Um, because I myself have had a sexually transmitted infection. And this is an episode I've been wanting to record for a few months, but I've been putting it off for whatever reason, because unfortunately there's still so much shame and judgment and stigma around STIs, which is complete bullshit because one in every two Americans will have an STI or has had an STI. So if it's not you, it's your partner. They might not even know about it. Oftentimes people don't get tested every after every partner or yearly, at least I would suggest being tested annually at the very bare minimum. Um, And a lot of symptoms, people will be asymptomatic or you get checked for chlamydia, gonorrhea, but you're not tested for HIV or things that are not, you know, surface level. So 
a lot of times people are asymptomatic, they're walking around and this is how it spreads. And it's, there's nothing to be embarrassed about because 50% of us will have an STD or has had one. So my sexual health, I would say I, well, first of all, off, I'm doing my thesis on sexual health and the importance of comprehensive sexuality education because a lot of schools do not require human sexuality or sex education to be taught into their primary schools, high schools, colleges. It's generally one health class that you take and you learn about condoms and you learn about a couple different like herpes, STIs, and it's not informative. It is shame filled. It's abstinence encouraging. And this is why Americans one and two will have an STI. This is why Americans are not sexually healthy and other countries and um, places like Norway they have the lowest rate of unwanted pregnancies because they require age-appropriate information that's medically accurate into their schools. So this is a lot of bullshit. Knowledge is power, and the absence of knowledge will just lead to people making uninformed, unempowered decisions. Don't get me up on my soapbox. So I did not have a comprehensive sex education curriculum in my schools. I grew up and I learned about STIs, very like bare minimum. And if I heard that there was a rumor that a girl had herpes or something, I would judge her and slut shame her as a 16 year old who was ignorant and gossipy and addicted to drama, as many of us are, let me just say. And now I can see this from a very different light. Sexual health is just as important as physical health. Physical health and mental health are equally important. It's like this triangle, sexual health, emotional health, and physical health. They all matter equally. And when one is lacking, it often affects the others. This is why I constantly talk about sex and things that are related to sex because I know how like under-discussed it is. Every one of us is having sex or will have sex unless you're 1% of the population that's asexual and that's perfectly fine, but it's just ridiculous. Like I fucking hate it. Can we all normalize talking about sex, please? Anyway, so my sexual health is pretty much on par. Uh, I recently got my copper IUD removed because I had a horrific experience with that. Um, I recently started the nuvering. Uh, I started yesterday. I inserted it and my vagina is kind of like a vacuum suction cup that swallows everything I put in her. So I freaked the fuck out because I couldn't find it. I didn't know if I placed it right. So if any of my beautiful listeners are on Anovera or a birth control ring, please give me a shout out and tell me your experience. I'm really honestly nervous because I have bipolar 2 disorder, so I know mood changes are very common with birth control, and we can do a whole nother episode on this, but I'm nervous. It's going to affect my mood for the worse, and I also struggle with cystic acne and am a, um, have a history of an eating disorder, and I know it can cause weight changes, so I will have to monitor that very quickly, but the thing to know about pr- pregnancy prevention is everything besides abstinence and condoms do not protect against sexually transmitted infection. So let me repeat this. More than one in two Americans will get an STD in their lifetime. Sexually transmitted diseases and infections are one of America's most persistent health problems. Um, And public awareness and knowledge are critically low around the country and STDs remain rising. A few years ago, it was one in three. Now it's one in two. This is epidemic levels. 
and undiagnosed, they can lead to lifelong health problems like damage to your joints, heart, reproductive organs, and the brain. But they are so fucking largely preventable and most are curable or can be controlled to prevent complications. So before your next excursion, just keep this in mind and take steps to protect not only the other person, but yourself. Because over one in two Americans will contract an STD at some point in their life. Nearly 20 million estimated new STDs occur each year in the U.S. These are just some fun stats for you. One in two sexually active persons will contract an STI by the age of 25, and one in four teens contract an STI each year. So human papillomavirus or genital warts are the most common. This is what I had. Um, In 2017, I was diagnosed with HPV, which women get. Well, men are more often the transmitters, but women, they are asymptomatic. So women will get HPV. This is the most common. And my doctor, when she told me this, I was just like, wow, that kind of fucking sucks. Is there anything I could do about it? And she said, no, it generally will take care of itself and go away on its own. So I had HPV unknowingly. If I didn't get checked for it, I would have never known, which is really interesting because I got the shots for them. They have, um, I forget the exact name. I probably should have looked it up to sound smart, but I don't remember, but they will give like the Gardasil shot. I think it's called for HPV as a teen or adolescent. And yet I still got it. So that same year, I found out that I had cervical cancer and human papillomavirus often leads to reproductive cancers. So this was really scary for me. Um, I think I got it because I've had my fair share of unprotected sex in my lifetime. Like I will own up to it. I've been not smart. And something that happens with our generation, millennials, is like this. I talk about this all the time where men won't even freaking offer to wear condoms. They think it's normal to have unprotected sex. And yes, you could get pregnant. You could do the pullout method, but what about STIs? Hmm? Like it's not cool to spread STDs. Like if you could prevent it. And a lot of guys I've dated or had sex with, they won't even offer. They'll assume I'm on birth control, which is a very ignorant assumption and they won't even offer. And this just goes to show like how warped our generation is because a lot of times people in porn don't wear condoms or guys will brag that they don't wear condoms because it's seen as cool or something. And it's just really disheartening to see. And one in five Americans have genital herpes. Um, there's, that's about like 776 new infections each year. I'm not a math person, but I'm reading off these stats. And each year there's almost 3 million new cases of chlamydia and nearly 16 billion is a cost of STDs annually. So yeah, I had HPV. I don't have it anymore. I was checked for it my last um, annual checkup. They didn't find it. So it took care of itself, but I was so thankful. I got so freaking lucky because I tell you, like I've had a lot of unprotected sex with people that I ask them, do you, have you been tested? Of course they lie and say, yeah, or they don't care. And they just tell me what I want to hear so that they can get laid. And this is how this stuff occurs. So I have really like gotten lucky because I could have easily contracted something and I'll spare you the rest of the statistics, but you have to be careful. You have to know your status 
for the sake of your own sexual health and if you're having sex with someone you at least like or care about. Because talking about sex is not a regular part of our lives, right? Especially with our doctors, but it should be. It usually, like, this is why women know they have STIs more than men because men will hardly ever get checked because they don't have a gynecologist unless they have like a pain in their penis or cramping in their pelvic region or something that it's too late by then. And that's how they find out. Especially for people that listen to my show, I know a lot of adolescents and young adults, they are most disproportionately impacted by STDs. And half of all new cases are in people between 15 and 24. So it's so important and crucial and life-saving to have a healthy dialogue between your doctors, your providers, your peers, and people you love and care about, about your sexual health. Um, Let's talk about it. Because STDs are so fucking common. Um, And in addition to HIV and AIDS, like kind of the things we hear most about, there's dozens of sexually transmitted diseases. And often there are no symptoms, at least not until years down the line. So this is why when it's left untreated, it causes such serious health issues, but they are treatable and curable. And while routine checks are recommended, it doesn't always happen as part of your regular checkup or gynecological exam. So you have to ask to be tested. So the different types I would ask to be tested for, chlamydia, gonorrhea, hepatitis B, HIV, AIDS, herpes, hepatitis C, HPV, syphilis, trichomyiasis. I kind of forget how to pronounce that one. But there's two different types. There's a bacterial infections and viral infections. And viral infections are chronic. They're not curable, but they are treatable and sustainable with either prescription medications or vaccines. Bacterial infections like chlamydia, gonorrhea, they often don't have symptoms at first, but they are curable generally with routine antibiotics. So a lot of times if you do have Um, certain bacterial infections though, like syphilis, symptoms can come and go. Um, and left untreated can cause permanent damage. There could be warts, there could be sores. It's painful. Um, these symptoms can be painful. And then there are parasitic infections. But my point is, I'm not here to scare you and shame you and say, don't have sex. But I want to raise awareness and say, like, we have to stay healthy We have to ask questions. We have to have a dialogue. We have to communicate with our partners if we have had or been exposed to a a sexually transmitted infection. And I told Nick that I told him the last time I had sex with someone before him, it was probably like a week before I met Nick. Um, And I told him about my history with HPV because he has the right to know we were having unprotected sex. And we talked about our histories and I told him my history and that was part of my history. And I felt a little, you know, humiliated. I won't lie. Um, But he was totally cool about it. And he said, thanks for telling me like, that's fine. And he understood. So let me say this. If you have an STI or you've had a sexually transmitted infection, let's say you have, I don't know, um, like herpes or you have hepatitis or something along those lines. Outbreaks can be managed, but you have to know that you have 
to share this with your sexual partners. Um, not sharing that's not consensual and you could actually think it's against the law um, to not disclose this information if you are aware of it. It is illegal. So it's really important and a person that loves you is going to stay with you and I know there's so much like stereotypes and people with STIs are seen as dirty or something, not clean. This is a load of bullshit because then 50% of us are quote unquote dirty. It happens with having sex. Um, it's just part of it. If you're not having unsafe sex or you don't like, let's say sometimes people's partners can lie to them. So it's sometimes helpful to go to the doctor with that person and legitimately see what their doctor says. Um, that's really the only way to know if you're getting accurate, truthful information, right? But someone that dips on you or judges you or puts you down for your status is not worth your time. That person most likely has had an STI themselves but doesn't know, so it's just arrogant and ignorant, and it's not cool to make fun of people for having STDs. Um, Obviously, like that's just common sense, but I think that it could really strengthen a relationship and make the intimacy that much stronger and bring you guys closer together when you do talk about your sexual history. Um, If you are polyamorous or you're swinging and you have multiple sex partners, it's helpful to know and talk about it and get tested after each encounter with a different person. Um, It's just like good, good character to do these things. So... I don't know what else I have to say about this. Um, I really feel frustrated and discouraged sometimes for the amount of like jokes made regarding STIs. Um, It's just really like hard. And as someone that has had one, I can't imagine like if I was diagnosed with something that was long term or chronic um, and just having to like live with that constant shame, which unfortunately there is, there shouldn't be any, but there is because you feel like, why me? Like there's something wrong with me. No one's ever going to love me. If I tell someone they're going to leave me, no one's ever going to want to have sex with me. They're going to be scared and on guard. And this is why talking about it and raising awareness around it and working to prevent it is so crucial. So I would love for you to share your story with me, um, for us to talk about this, for us to release any stigma or shame surrounding this, because it's normal. If you're having sex, you most likely will get an an STI, depending on how many partners you've been with. And it just comes with the territory, right? So let's just talk about it. Let's work together to reduce it because it can be reduced. Um, safe sex could still be good sex, my friends. I know people roll their eyes when they say safe sex or condoms and they hurt me. I don't feel anything, but would you rather have sex with a condom for 10 minutes and be safe or have unprotected sex for five minutes and then have a lifelong illness, you know? So it's, it's important. So use a condom. Um, make sure you know each other's status when having sex. Like if you're on the Nuvering like me, you can have backup methods like a condom because really that's the only thing that will protect you or dental dam, but I've never used a dental dam. I think that was more like in the nineties, but Hey, if you do it more power, more power to you. I'm all about that safe sex. Um, I do not use a condom with my partner unless I was going off of my IUD because Nick was recently tested. So we're in the clear. Um, but like I said, when you 
know something, knowledge is power, and you can use that wisdom to make informed and empowered decisions. So that's what I encourage all of you to do. Thank you for listening to me. I want you to know this is a zero judgment zone. I love each and every single one of you. Thank you for your continued support and for spreading the word. And next month is Mental Health Awareness Month for May. So I'm going to be popping out a lot of mental health episodes. So tell me what you'd like to hear. Reach out to me, DM me on Instagram at Sex and Spirituality Podcast, and I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you.